Okay, second reading, Luke 19, 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, well, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. Mutter, 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 mutter. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And altogether, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. The son of man came to seek and save the lost. The good news of Christ. Praise you, Lord. Awesome. Thank you, Nathan, for that dramatic reading. Awesome. So the spirituality of pumpkin carving. What does pumpkin carving have to do with anything? Not least our text today about Zacchaeus. Not least our teaching theme, a communal rule of love. While you, you may recall, for those of you that were here last week, our reading was a very similar reading, wasn't it? It was about another tax collector who I would like to believe in my imagination was actually the same dude. Uh, and I'll explain why. Because you'll remember it was the tax collector and the, and the religious guy. The religious guy was a good guy. He's a family guy. He's a pillar in the community. He ties. He's the kind of guy you want to build on your church on. You know, he kind of had it all together. But Zacchaeus, he was not a cool sinner. And the tax collector was not a cool sinner. You know, there are cool sinners, right? They smoke cigars. They drink beer. They're easy to love. But how many know there's some sinners that are not very cool? And Zacchaeus was one. He was like a thug because they used to take bids. The Romans used to take bids from these local thugs in communities to who would be responsible for raising money. And uh, they, they would just give the money. They would give the bid, you know, to the highest bidder. And then they left it. They just turned a blind eye to them charging more. So they just extorted and made all kinds of money. They were not cool. They were hated by their community. So that's what Zacchaeus was, even though he's short. How many know short people can be nasty sometimes, right? So last week, Nathan very, I'm not pointing anybody out. Last week, Nathan very skillfully led us into Electio Divina on, the, on this tax collector that prayed who was over, so overcome with his own guilt and shame. He was like that guy in the psalm that we read in our first psalm. He couldn't even look up, and he smote his chest, not in pride, but in shame. And he cried out, oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then this uh, story of, uh, this was only a few chapters later to this story of Zacchaeus. And I wonder if, Jesus was telling this story because he recounts that story of the, the prayer later. 
after the story of Zacchaeus. And I wonder if it was while he was talking to Zacchaeus that he heard about Zacchaeus's heart cry, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And how did God answer his prayer? By sending Jesus along into his hometown and he's climbing up the tree, desperately crying out for God's mercy. And Jesus looks up at him. I mean, he's marginalized. Nobody wants to have anything to do with this guy. And Jesus, who has places to go, he's in the mainstream. He has people to cease. He has uh, appointments to keep. He stops in the middle of it all. And he does a very non-Canadian thing. He invited himself over for dinner. <laughs> Canadians don't do that, do they? Then something very Halloween-like occurs at that moment. Now, Halloween is short for hallowed evening. And what a lot of people don't realize is that it's actually a Christian festival. Yeah, there may have been some pagan influences, but the actual origin of it means hallowed evening. And it was the night before the Day of the Dead, when the early church used to honor those who'd gone on. So I was talking to our homestay from Italy yesterday. Some of you remember Marina. She was here last year. It's actually a holiday in Italy where they take the whole day and she's going to take flowers and some food and go and sit beside her father's gravesite. He passed away a year ago. It's very significant for them. So some countries call it All Souls Day. And um, they sing songs and they offer prayers and cathedrals and, and uh, places of worship often have services to remember them. Did you know that in a lot of medieval churches that are still up uh, today, in the vault of the ceiling, they have pictures of what? As they worship. Do you know what they have pictures of? Saints, yeah, people that have gone on and people in their own congregations. So there was this sense, there was this sense of where even though somebody's gone on, the veil is very thin. We're worshiping together. So I want everybody to say this phrase thin places. Now, I didn't say thin people, I said thin places. Now, thin places is a Celtic term for those rare locales and places in our lives where the distance between heaven and earth collapses. It means times and places where the barrier between the spiritual world and the physical world becomes very thin, and hallowed evening is one of those times. Of course, this happened at the resurrection of Jesus when he came from the dead. Remember all those dead people that came out and knocked on somebody's door and said, hey, how you doing, right? <laughs> kind of casual about it. And that's what's happening here with Zacchaeus. Heaven and earth are coming together by Jesus' announcement. Jesus, when Zacchaeus announces that he's going to pay back everybody he's cheated and stolen as a tax-collecting thug, Jesus says these amazing words. Today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus was declaring a thin place. Heaven and earth were coming close together because this man was also a son of Abraham. Keep in mind that God's whole rescue mission began with a family. God said to Abraham, I will bless you, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So the future was invading the present. The barriers between us and them were coming down. 
and had become thin. And, and Jesus announced that this thug, this crook, this cheat who'd extorted and lied and, and uh, stolen, he was hated in the community. Jesus announces that this, this thug is us. He's in our family. He's a son of Abraham. There's no more us and them. It's just us. No bad people, just family with some members who got lost. And he came to find them. That's why Jesus came to find us. Have you ever felt lost? I have. Before Christ and after Christ. And so we, as we are found by him, he wants us to find others through, he wants to find others through us. So this is where the pumpkins come in. <laughs> I was reading this week where Paul was describing what true freedom was. Not just from something, he said. Freedom isn't just from things, but it's for something. To love well. That's what freedom is, is the freedom from addictions and any false self expressions of our life that keep us from loving God, ourselves, and others well. And Paul said, to the weak, I've become weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. So Paul said to the Gentiles, I become a Gentile. To the Jews, I put on my, you know, and get out my curly hair and become a Jew. And he said, to the weak, I become weak. Who's Paul imitating here? Who's he imitating? It's like a little boy in grade four. I know, it's Jesus again. Yes, you got it. It's Jesus. Jesus was God. He became one of us. And that was lived out in the life of Paul. So when this hit me, I began to pray, and this happened this week. I said, well, Lord, who do I become today? So that as an act of love, not that I lose who I am, lose who I really am, but as an act of love to come alongside someone else and be present to them so that they can be loved well. Who can I do that for? And then I thought of an example this week. This week, I became a preschooler. I was invited, first time since COVID, I was invited back. I used to do this once a week, Guitar Man. That's my name, Guitar Man. So I became a preschooler in the Montessori, singing with all my heart with my guitar. And these, these little preschoolers just singing at the top of their lungs. Here comes a fire truck driving down the street. Here comes a fire truck. Beep, beep, beep. Here comes a fire truck. Look at it go. Here comes a fire truck. Wave hello. Wait, wait, wait. Lift up the hose. All right. So, so there you go. And you know what? It was such a God moment. D was raving about it all week, you know, and so it's, it's, it's coming alongside of people. And for many years, I didn't engage in Halloween in our neighborhood. I was kind of lukewarm about it. First of all, uh, I just couldn't be bothered. It's not like I had this big anti-Halloween thing. But I wasn't all that enthused. There seemed to be so much kind of celebrating of fear and the dark side. And I didn't like that. But in 2012, we had a Korean homestay student arrive at our house on Halloween. 
And she was, I think, 19, 20 years old. And she, you know, she was enthralled with this celebration of Halloween that we have in our neighborhood. So she put on her Mickey Mouse ears. It was pouring rain, just like this. We went out in our neighborhood and it was packed. Did you know our neighborhood is the most sought after neighborhood in the whole lower mainland for people to actually transit in to celebrate Halloween? Because we just do it. We do it. I mean, we go big or go home and we do it. We go big. And I'll tell you, we've got haunted houses. Our neighbors have like, I don't know, hundreds of jack-o'-lanterns in front of their house and the lighting. And it's just, we just, we just have a blast. And I just was shocked by it when I went out with her, how much fun everybody was having. And so, um, but the issue was that our house, we kind of live at the back of a duplex where it's often people go to the neighbors in front who really decorated, they got skeletons and spider webs and tombstones hang, you know, everywhere. And, and so people kind of think they got their candy fixed when they come to the front. So they don't really know that they can come around the back. So what I did with some of our homestays, we started carving these jack-o'-lanterns and we lit them up, placed them along our sidewalk. And people said, oh, there's three jack-o'-lanterns lit along the sidewalk, there's more, right? So they went up and I tell you, the first time I did this a few years ago, it was unbelievable. I met more neighbors and got to know more neighbors in two hours than I'd done in 10 years. There's neighbors I still know today, I know their pets. I know, you know, Coco, he's a white Samoy dog. I guess it's white chocolate. Uh, there's Woody, there's Gilby, there's Socks and the Cat. I met uh, uh, Eli and just wonderful kids and parents. It was just such an amazing connecting time. So it's an act of love, connecting with neighbors, recognizing this thin place between worlds is not a bad place because Jesus is risen from the dead. Love has overcome fear. And we have good news to share and be with our neighbors. Now, I could tell you a lot about the origins of the jack-o'-lanterns. And there's good and bad. It's a mixed review, like a lot of things. You know, when I talk to Francis about First Nations culture, there's things that they used to do that, that touched on the dark side. And sometimes when people become Christians, they want to just throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. But what they've learned is that you can redeem things that were... were uh, hijacked for evil and you can use them for good and so jack-o'-lanterns i've just found both with our montessori and here in our church when we get together and we carve them it's just a whole lot of fun and god's in the fun and it's a way of connecting to our neighbors so that we can be conduits of god's good news that love has triumphed over fear and letting people know you are welcome in this place right so there you go. That's the spirituality of jack-o'-lanterns. So for those of you on Zoom, you're welcome to join us. If you have your own jack-o'-lantern or pumpkin you want to carve, we welcome you to do that. If you want to chat a little bit on Zoom, uh, Tay is going to put up a, a reflection. Reflect on your, your story on times that you felt lost. If you're no longer there, how were you found? Who is God inviting you to become in order to become good news to others? So he's going to put that up in the chat so you can read that.